Welcome to The Whole Truth with Jill Rosenzweig, a podcast which endeavors to expose the truth behind legal stories that are distorted by mainstream media. And now, here's your host, passionate truth seeker and veteran attorney, Jill Rosenzweig. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Whole Truth with Jill Rosenzweig. I'm your host, Jill Rosenzweig. And this week, I'm going to be talking to you again about something that relates to COVID-19. I would love to hear from you guys to see if this is the content that you're looking for right now. I know for myself, with respect to everything that's going on in the world, there's a lot of confusion and questions and concerns. And the idea in my mind with this podcast is that I'm hoping to be able to provide you with information that will make things less scary for you. So if you have a lot of things that you're worrying about right now, I want to be able to give you information that will help you at least understand the consequences of certain things that are going on. So for this podcast episode, this is a podcast episode that is pretty much devoted to people who are concerned about things that are of a contractual nature. And this applies to a lot of you. It's not just those of you who are involved in a business, because I think everyone has some situations where there's either a service that they paid for and they're not sure if the service provider needs to continue providing that service in light of coronavirus. And then for those of you who are in a business situation, some of you are ordering goods that you can't get right now. Some of you are in a position where you're supposed to be providing goods or services, and you're not sure if you're supposed to be doing that right now or if you have to be doing that right now, and what your exposure might be if you say that you're not going to provide those goods or services anymore. And so that's what this episode is about If you guys want me to be talking about things that have nothing to do with coronavirus because you need a distraction, please let me know. I'm not trying to make things more stressful for you. Uh, You know, again, my goal here is just to make things easier for you to understand so that you can feel less stressed about certain things when there's plenty to be stressed about right now. So today I'm going to be talking to you about a concept in the law called force majeure. And that's pretty much what it means in English is acts of God, but it doesn't necessarily have to be specifically acts of God. So acts of God, typically you'll think of an earthquake or a tornado or things that are occurring in nature, basically. But that is not necessarily the entirety of what force majeure could mean. And so the idea of force majeure is something that happens that is, first of all, unforeseeable. That's a very important element of it. It's something that you could not have predicted. And it's something that you have no control over whatsoever. And so a lot of people are arguing right now that this global pandemic qualifies as force majeure because there was no way that they could have anticipated it happening And there was nothing that they could do to control it. And because of this global pandemic, they're no longer able to perform their obligations pursuant to certain contracts. And so the first thing I want to point out is that force majeure is a contractual provision. It's not something that is just generally accepted in the law. It's something that needs to be negotiated and agreed upon in a contract. So 
if you are trying to decide or understand whether force majeure applies to whatever situation it is that you're dealing with, the first thing you want to do is look at your contract. So you will look in your contract and search for the words either force majeure or act of God. That's the first thing you want to do. And then you want to read the provision and see Does it include the words pandemic or epidemic or outbreak, something to that effect? And depending upon where you live, the courts will construe a force majeure provision either very, very strictly. So, for example, in New York, pretty much if the force majeure provision does not specify pandemic, you probably cannot rely on that clause to say that you don't have to perform your obligations under the contract. So New York is very strict. If it doesn't specifically say pandemic or epidemic or outbreak, you probably don't have a provision in your contract that would allow you to escape your legal obligations. And on the other side of the equation, if you are dealing with someone, a service provider or someone who's providing goods to you and you live in New York where the contract is construed under New York law and the other side is saying, well, we don't have to provide you with this good or service right now. If you look at the provision in the contract and it doesn't specifically list pandemic or epidemic, then you could argue that they don't have the right to withdraw from their obligations pursuant to the contract. So that's something that you really need to look at. Now, this is the other part of it. Even if you do have a contract that says that an act of God includes a pandemic, the analysis doesn't just end there. The next thing to ask is whether or not the pandemic directly makes it impossible for you to perform under the contract. So even if there is pandemic listed within the force majeure provision, That does not necessarily mean that you can avoid your contractual obligations. You're going to need to show a cause and effect to say that the coronavirus is directly responsible for you not being able to perform under the contract. So if the coronavirus is not making it impossible for you to continue to perform, you can't then rely on that provision to escape your contractual obligations. And on the other side of it, again, That's something you want to be thinking about. If someone's saying to you right now, I cannot provide you with goods or I can't provide you with services because of coronavirus, there is a factual analysis involved there to say, okay, well, wait a second. Can this person still provide me with the goods that they're supposed to provide me with, even though there is this global pandemic? That's the question that you need to be asking. And if the answer is yes, then you have the right to say to them, no, you still need to perform under the contract. You promise me these goods or you promise me this service and you need to deliver. So there's that as well. And then the next question is, when was your contract negotiated? So this is a big one. If the contract was entered into at the time when people were aware that there was a pandemic. So just say you entered into a contract with someone in late January, and you could argue that there were clear signs at that point that there was going to be this global pandemic. Maybe January is too early. Maybe you say you entered into the contract in February, where I think it would be hard to argue 
that most people didn't realize at that point that this global pandemic was brewing. You could argue that if they included a force majeure provision in the contract and it included pandemic under the list of possible things that would allow them to escape their legal obligations, that it wasn't unforeseeable at that point. And so a force majeure provision that includes elements to it that are actually foreseeable will not be a means for that party to escape their legal obligations. And so that's something to consider too, is the timing of when you entered into this contract with someone. So those are the elements of force majeure. And again, really, it's whether or not there is a force majeure provision in the contract, whether that provision includes pandemic, whether or not the pandemic makes it impossible for the party who's trying to escape their legal obligations to actually perform their legal obligations, and also the timing as to when you entered into this contract with the person. And I will mention that in some parts of the country, these provisions will not be construed as strictly so that, just say, for example, if you entered into a contract in California, if the force majeure provision does not specifically include pandemic, the courts may be willing to interpret the clause to include something like pandemic because courts in California are a little bit more liberal with these provisions, and they may say, okay, well, it includes anything really that would render it impossible for you to perform your obligations that are similar to an act of God. So if the provision says earthquake, tornado, they may be willing to say, okay, yeah, a pandemic qualifies. So it really depends on where you are in the country. I think that it's important to look these things up and try to figure out how the law in the state in which your contract would be enforced would be interpreted. Uh, I can say for sure that New York is very, very strict. California is a little bit more liberal, and most other states are probably somewhere in the middle. But then if there's no force majeure provision in your contract, that does not mean that you have no options available to you. There are other concepts in the law. They're just common law concepts that exist in the absence of a provision being in your contract itself. So if you have no provision in your contract, the next thing to do is to look at these common law principles and see if there's any way that those principles might apply to your situation. The defense that is most similar to a force majeure argument is the defense of impossibility. And so basically what that means is that just say you have a contract with a company and that company is saying, we cannot perform under the contract right now because coronavirus is making it impossible for us to perform our obligations. If you then went to court to sue that company, they would have to raise the defense of impossibility. So the burden would be on them to prove that they absolutely could not perform. And just to be clear, the defense of impossibility does not mean that it would have been way more expensive for them to perform. So even if it's much more expensive, that does not excuse their obligation to perform under the contract. And so really it has to be that there was an unanticipated event. For example, the pandemic would probably qualify as an unforeseen event that made it absolutely impossible for them to perform. So for example... Just say you've contracted with a company 
to produce goods for you and send them to you to use at your business. And that company that you've contracted with lives in a place where there's a stay-at-home order and the company is deemed non-essential. So they are not allowed to be producing goods right now. They could argue that it's impossible for them to perform and based upon that, they'd be able to escape their contractual obligations. However, for the most part, courts will not allow these companies to escape their obligations forever. It will be temporary. So once there's no longer a stay-at-home order in place and the company is able to produce the goods, they would have to then produce the goods because there's no longer a stay-at-home order. So typically the defense of impossibility is not going to allow them to escape their obligations permanently. It would just be a temporary thing where they would then have to perform once the impossible situation is no longer impossible. And also, I just want to add, similar to force majeure, economic hardship is not considered an excuse here. So if you could still produce the goods, but it would just be very expensive for you, that does not render it impossible. It would literally be a situation where you cannot produce the goods, whether it's because of a stay-at-home order or some other very extreme measure that is completely out of your control. And that's the defense of impossibility. And so really, I want you to be thinking about this from both sides. If you have a contract with someone where you're obligated to produce goods, but 95% of your work crew is out right now because they tested positive for coronavirus, you would have an obligation to find new people to produce those goods as long as you're able to comply with government orders that are in place. So just say there's a stay-at-home order, then chances are you would not need to comply right now. If there are ways, though, for you to still be able to perform your obligations, just say all you needed was one person to work in a factory and there's no government order saying that you can't, you would have that obligation to have that one person show up and continue to produce the goods and ship them to the person who ordered them. So you really have to look at the specific situation that you're dealing with here and consider whether or not it's truly impossible or whether it's just extremely difficult. Extremely difficult is not going to be enough. The final concept that I want to bring up to you is called frustration of purpose. And that's also a common law concept. And it has to do with two parties who contract with each other and they both could still perform But the whole point of the contract is no longer there. So just say coronavirus has rendered the purpose of a contract completely null and void. That's another way for the parties to walk away from their obligations pursuant to a contract. So just say you ordered rolls of bread to be delivered to your restaurant and the company that is making the bread is still in a position to make the bread and you're in a position to buy the bread because you could still afford to buy the bread. So both parties to the contract could theoretically still perform, but just say the restaurant is closed right now because of stay-at-home orders being in place and the restaurant is deemed non-essential. That's just a hypothetical that I'm giving you here. The restaurant could theoretically argue 
that the whole purpose of the contract has been frustrated. So they no longer have to order that bread and they don't have to pay for that bread anymore because there's nothing that they need the bread for. The whole point of that contract was to order bread to be served at their restaurant. If their restaurant is closed, they could take the position, we don't have to pay you for that bread anymore. Yes, we contracted with you to get that bread, but we don't need it anymore, so we don't have to pay for it. But again, just to remind you, if you did enter into this contract to get the bread in late February, you would not be able to argue that you're allowed to escape your obligations under the contract based upon frustration of purpose because at that point in time, you should have known that there would be this global pandemic, so you cannot say that it was unforeseeable. So the timing of things is also very important under this theory of law. So going back to the concept of force majeure and the common law concept of the defense of impossibility, at the core of it, these companies that would theoretically be able to escape their legal obligations would have to prove that it's absolutely impossible for them to perform under the contract, right? So the reason why you're seeing a lot of these companies providing services via Zoom, for example, where it's not quite the same as the thing that you paid for, you're getting this Zoom version of the thing that you actually contracted for, the reason why they're offering you either a Zoom version of the service or they're videotaping themselves and sending you some virtual version of the thing that you contracted for. So for example, we registered my daughter for a ballet class. And instead of her being able to go to ballet right now, because obviously we we live in California, there's a stay-at-home order. The ballet studio cannot offer in-person classes right now. So What they have done, and I'm not sure that I can't say that this is the reason why they're doing this, but from a legal perspective, they have to analyze whether or not it's impossible for them to perform under the contract. If they cannot say it's impossible, then what they need to do is figure out a way to still provide the service so that the contracting party on the other side, i.e. the parents who signed up for the ballet class, can't claim that they're entitled to their money back because the ballet studio is not providing the service that they are contractually obligated to provide. So what the ballet studio is doing is offering Zoom classes, and I'm sure a lot of you are seeing this right now. And by doing that, what they're saying is, okay, we have a situation where we cannot argue in full that it's absolutely impossible for us to provide these classes. So what we're going to do is we're going to try to comply with the contract as closely to it as possible. And so that's why in a lot of instances where there are service type contracts, you're seeing that these companies are looking for tech solutions to still offer what they can in terms of their contractual obligations, because first of all, they don't want to be accused of being in breach of contract. And second of all, they don't want to be providing refunds to everybody when there's a way for them to still attempt to perform their end of the bargain as best as they can, which would then give you, the person who is paying, no right to demand a refund. 
And so that's what's going on here is that there's this interplay between the service providers who are doing their best to still perform under the contract because then they can say, okay, we've performed, so you still have to perform. And this isn't to say that the ballet studio isn't trying to create these Zoom videos or YouTube videos because the ballet studio cares about the people that have signed up for its program. It may be coming from a benevolent place. I can't say that it isn't. But what I am saying is that if you're in a position where you have a business and you can find these creative ways of still performing pursuant to the contract, that's probably your best course of action because then no one can argue that you haven't done your very best because in most instances, if it's not truly impossible for you to perform, you still do have an obligation to perform. And so... That would be my best advice to those of you who are in a business where there are ways for you still to perform. You really should be doing that because at the end of all of this, you don't want to be facing lawsuits where people say, yes, they relied on a force majeure provision or they relied on this defense of impossibility. But in all actuality, they still could have performed in some fashion under the contract. And so now they're in breach of contract. So those are my thoughts for today. If you have any questions about this, I'm happy to answer them. Please reach out to me. My email address is thewholetruthpod at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at thewholetruthpod, on Twitter at thewholetruthpodhq. And you can also find me on Facebook at The Whole Truth with Jill Rosenzweig. I have a Facebook group there. Thank you so much. I hope you are all doing well. I hope you're healthy and staying safe. I hope your families are okay. And I'll talk to you next time. Thanks. 